0: Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, it's Mike Williams. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, listen, I've got a little bit of a cold Uh, So if it sounds that way, don't worry. And if I cough, I will try to get it edited out so you'll excuse me ahead of time. So here we go. Today we're going to call it uh, Embrace a Dip. Earnings continue to roll in as the economic landscapes, which will drive decades of new activity, continue to shift under our feet. If it feels as confusing as it was back in the late 70s and early 80s, don't fret. That's the last time we had a demographic shift as monumental as the one going on right now. And back then it caused a couple of years of drift as well. Felt like walking in quicksand, just like now. The problem with the generational shift for many investors is that it takes time and its impact lasts for decades, but it is a steady impact indeed. In a world of day trading, headlines by the millisecond, high-frequency push-button schemes, robotic trade programs, volume explosions, hair-trigger interpretations of headlines, and media dissecting of all the data from every direction, saying that something lasts for decades is a yawner. Telling ourselves that 50 million kids will move out of their parents' homes and look for their own household in the next three to ten years here in the U.S. is not nearly as sexy as telling you the very specific reason that XYZ Corp. made billions of dollars this last quarter, but they missed by three cents. Think about it for a second. What's more foolish to pay attention to? It just doesn't feel the same. But it's far more important to know the former than the latter for a long-term investor. It's been 35 years since we've witnessed something this dynamic, this powerful, and oddly enough, this overlooked. GDP reports just came out. They were slightly lower than, quote, expected, even as massive shifts are being disguised and digested. GDP growth in Q1, is uh, its first read was half a percent annualized. It missed consensus forecast of 0.7%. Growth in Q4 was 1.4%. Now, domestic purchase readings were stronger at 0.9%. In addition, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, the core PCE price deflator, rose by 2.1%. That's the fastest pace since the first quarter of 2012. While too many fret over whether or not, by the way, on GDP, I suspect what we will find is that we've had a ritual now for a few years. Q1 stinks. And then after a week, Q1, the rest of the quarters end up being relatively stronger, comparatively speaking. What's interesting is that I think years from now, we're going to find out that these last few years where we've had these odd readings in the first quarter, we've blamed it on weather and fears and market corrections and all sorts of hysteria. But I think we're going to find that somehow they changed the way they read data and some seasonal adjustment was being done incorrectly. I, I, I truly believe it'll be years from now, but we will have forgotten it by then. Here's the thing though, while too many fret over whether or not oil, for example, is gonna go back to $100, too many more will miss the engineering breakthroughs, the tools, the advances, the services and product shifts of future transport, future energy channels, and future communications. Saudi Arabia is finally getting it, but that will be a painful process. They're in the midst of raising money for what? For the time after oil, as they called it. Think about that. That's a huge, huge statement. Yeah, I know, but the number of rigs has fallen, right, Mike? Uh, We're going to... U.S. production is going to plunge, isn't it? Well, listen, we've gotten real productive. Rigs have gone down by 70%. They're at their lowest level in years even when fracking just started. But guess what? Production has only dropped 7% since last June after having doubled in the previous five years. That means that we now are only up 93% in the previous five years. Listen, there's going to be a time that we're going to stand at a plug for the same minutes we stand currently at a pump we will exchange far fewer dollars for the same end result, 300 miles or so of movement. The question we should be asking ourselves is not whether oil will return to $100 or not. Sure, there's going to be some oil companies that will do just fine. But we shouldn't worry about the $100 magic price. What we should think about is what will the economy do here and abroad with the hundreds of billions of dollars that it will no longer need to spend on gasoline? Think about that for a second. Around the world every year, hundreds of billions of dollars are spent for gas. Think of the time when half of that won't be needed anymore. And then eventually, none of that. Listen, we've talked a lot about fears. I say again, there will be a time when we will thank our lucky stars for the, for the rampant fear the marketplace still feels. As noted in your members area, rampant, dim, and fearful views of the future have not just helped corporations do massive work on their collective balance sheets, but countries too. Here's the deal. Consumers can get a swipe as well to take advantage of the still low rates as deep-seated fears remain in place. What's causing those rates? A dynamic demand for bonds because they're, quote, safe versus the expected fearful view of stocks. Fixed mortgage rates, for example, are still within literally basis points of all-time record lows. There may never be a better time to refinance a mortgage or take out a new one. Generation Y is going to thank us for the great pathway laid out ahead for home ownership as they get ready to move out of their parents' homes. Applications for new mortgages have surged by almost 50% since late in 2014, largely in response to low and declining mortgage rates. This reflects a significant improvement in housing fundamentals and the beginning of yet another wave of change to flood us with surprises as Gen Y begins to move on up. Sorry, Mr. Bogle, I know you were covered in this week's uh, media with a fairly lackluster view of the future. I greatly respect your work, but the world ahead is far brighter than recent headlines would suggest. Credit spreads have subsided. You remember how they were in panic mode because the energy world was gonna bring down everybody? Look for a new range in energy. We stand by our previous idea of 30 to 80 bucks. We called that nearly two years ago in these podcasts in your morning notes. Listen, while the world stays nervous, it's easy to get lost in the messiness of headlines. The Bloomberg Financial Conditions Index tells us that conditions remain relatively healthy. In fact, if you could look at a picture of the current index reading, it's on the upper band of the chart. It goes all the way back to 1989. So as much as it sounds scary, we're doing fine. Are we misunderstanding Generation Y, though older generations have historically despised the younger ones as frivolous, good for nothing, and responsible for ruining the world. The perception of Generation Y today is no different. Recently I read a telephone survey that found 71% of Americans believe millennials to be selfish, while another 65% found them to feel entitled. People make sweeping generalizations about millennials, another word for Generation Y, ranging from how all they do is spend their parents' money to just calling them flat-out losers. As is almost always the case, the facts are different, and believe it or not, we can benefit significantly from them. I've posted a piece in your members area that covers more detail, but I'm gonna give you some highlights. It should help. Part of what makes people go bug-eyed when it comes to millennials is they're so incredibly hard to pin down Not really. There are kids. They will make massive changes, just like we did. Everything will change, just like it did when we grew up and took the economic baton. Instead of focusing on millennials at large, it's critical for us to look more specifically at the size of the audience and where it will move as life goes on. So before assuming millennials are lazy, ill-informed narcissists, get to know your future customer drivers and bosses as deeply as possible. Understand the challenges and opportunities related to a coming of age in today's society. Imagine how different it must be than when we were younger. Understand their differences between being fresh out of college, there's more of them these, these days, looking for a more challenging job, and setting out to start a family in the world we have. These realities are so different, yet they all get bucketed into the same stereotype. Make sure you know the barbell economy as it is just getting rolling, and it'll be here for the next 30 years. By looking a bit closer, you may be pleasantly surprised by the diversity and passion coming from today's young adults. As the data will show when you finally read it all, they're some of the most competitive, altruistic, and educated people this planet has ever known. That is exciting. So the bottom line, let's pray for another panic and be prepared to take advantage of it while most will run again mistakenly and assume the worst. The future is far brighter than we can currently perceive. Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Thanks again for putting up with my cough. Hope it's better soon. I hope you have a great day and thanks for joining us. Until we see you on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.